Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up, making things happen. I've been a very bad boy. I haven't posted a podcast in almost a month. I feel really bad about that. I've been traveling. I've been crazy, all that stuff. I don't really have good excuses. But I do have an amazing guest for you. Willem Belli is my guest on this episode of the podcast. Uh, you know him as the only queen to ever get disqualified, I think... On RuPaul's Drag Race. I, I don't know. If, I know he was the first. I don't know if anyone's been disqualified since. But uh, since then, he's gone on to release amazing music and videos like This Boy is a Bottom. And now he has a new book called Suck Less, where there's a Willem, there's a way. It's really fun. It's really smart. It's really outrageous. The pictures are amazing. And you should pick it up. But before I get to that, I just have a few little fun things to share with you. I want to give a shout out to some folks who donated to my virtual tip jar. I think they're probably Derek and Romaine fans who liked my Derek and Romaine interviews. But um, thank you to Susan Ulrich, Julie Shexnader, Daniel Grell, Jason Gardner, Frank Bowman, Meredith Newman, and Lucas Wallace. Oh, and Christopher French. All you guys, thank you so much for uh, kicking in a little, and it helps pay for all the little expenses. And um, speaking of new developments, I have something very exciting that I'm doing. I'm starting a Patreon page where I will post bonus episodes that are just sort of extra special. Um, And you can sign up and be a patron, I guess, of mine for as low as $1 an episode. And um, you can can find that at patreon.com and just search for uh, Dennis Anyone. I'll also put the link on the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. And this, uh, this time out, my first time out, my bonus episode on Patreon is also with Willem Belli, but it's all observation deck questions. So it's like 35, 40 minutes of Willem answering really fun, random questions. It's really good. So go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and uh, you can click there. And then in the future, I'll be posting things probably like once or twice a month, special things. I'll still do the regular podcast for free, but this is just something... Um, a little special, a little exclusive, and I was inspired by my friends Dave and Alonzo who do the Linoleum Knife film review podcast, and they've got this cool Patreon thing happening, and they say that it's a really great way to connect with people. So, there you go. Um, without any further ado, now here is Willem Belli. All right, I am here in the Hollywood office of Willem. It's your office. It is. This is like um, headquarters, ground zero for all that is... Your business. Very much. It's like my mixed uh, media, wait, mixed use space. I do pop-up shops here. I do all my production. I host parties. I do uh, craft nights here or craft renewing. I want to do craft renewing. It's fun. What kind of crafts do we do? Um, in October, I made a pumpkin bong with uh, my friend Kingsley <laughs> from YouTube. And, <laughs> and Raja and Raya were all there because Marco's store is next door. So, like, it's all, okay. like, there's always, like, drag queens. It's a hangout. And uh, the next thing up is a... Christmas tree made of dildos. Okay. That's December. That's exciting. Do you have to bring your own dildos? No, I have someone giving me like 55 dildos. And then That's my friend awesome. Boomer. Boomer is the biggest uh, tree topper of dildos because he's like an 11 inch dick or something. I want to come to that. It's fun. Do you have okay. to, do you pay and is that no, how? No, mm-hmm. you just do it for. We just do it Mondays or Thursdays. It's me, uh, this photographer named Franz, this lady named Amy from a makeup company called Sugar Pill, and like okay. just cool kids from Hollywood that are nerds and need to do crafts and shit. Right, and you just do it. Rhinestones, fix wigs, sew stuff, have drawing like art bullshit. Right, lots of weed. 
That's good. Now I am. We're in the downstairs part. Is the upstairs part, and it goes all the way to the front. You have the event space. Like, the where do you do events? The upstairs to there. The events are in the two curtain panels. Right. There's, um, there's a front section which you can do like a little pop up shop. Or sure. Both sections, which would be a bigger pop up shop. We're doing them um, with one of the kids from Project Runway named Rick uh, Rick Villa this weekend. Right on. In Hologram City. Um, I did it with David Durample from Pat Fields. It's fun. The girls come and do merch stuff from Drag Race when they don't want to do it at RuPaul's Candy Shop. They do it here. They do it here. Now, we are, like, right across the street from World of Wonder. Yeah. Like, it's drag ground zero where it's all happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, right in the midst of everything. And Hollywood Boulevard is, like, 30 steps to the north. And every time you do a shoot, you always need something in Hollywood toy and costume, you know? Right. I don't know how many times I've run there. So it's great to be around the corner and, like, have all the wigs and everything I need. Now, you have a book out mm-hmm. called Suck Less, Where There's a Will and There's a Way. Yeah. Um, how did the book come about? The book came about because uh, I was helping Neil with Hedwig, learning about drag and how to, helping him with, like, you know, movement and drag shit. and how Before to he did... Before he did Hedwig, yeah. You, so you taught Neil Patrick Harris how to tuck? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, there's still a Vimeo password projected video about it. I love it. Yeah. That would be a good little reward for somebody, the password to that. Oh, no, it's just my balls, and everybody's seen that. Yeah, so it's yeah. not a big deal. Was he a quick study? Yeah, he was. he's good at everything he does. It's I mean, kind of disgusting, right? He's, 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 he's no, doing it's, it all. It's amazing watching <laughs> him. Like, I don't... Cer- certain people are like, oh, he's, he's just good at everything, overachievers. It's like, when I look at my friends that are succeeding, like Bianca and Courtney in Alaska, I just get happy for him. I don't get, like... I don't get jealous. There's room for everybody. And, like, everyone's like, oh, you should do Hedwig. I'm like, no, that's his deal. Like, he's great at it. Like, I'm not going to try to do that shit. How did that opportunity come up where he wanted you to help him? Um, I've been friends with him for years. I uh, met him through Michael Serrato originally. Like, right. during my season of Drag Race, I got some video of, it was grainy as fuck, but I was like, some, I could tell someone was making fun of me and, like, saying a bunch of stuff that I said, and it was Neil, like, impersonating me, then Michael filmed them. I was just like, y'all are assholes. So, right, but that's quite a compliment that, you know, yeah, that he's into that he, it. that he even cares. Um, and then they were judges on Drag Race, and they had lots of stuff to say about behind the scenes, him and David. It was really funny and enlightening. I love it. Now, Neil Patrick Harris wrote your foreword. That's yeah, nice. Totally. So you well, reached out to him, and... RuPaul sure wasn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah. What's it like if you run into RuPaul now? Um, I, when he sees me, he goes the other way. Last time I saw him, I said, hey, champ, and he literally looked the other way. Wow, and yeah. you're right across the street now, so it's yeah. bound to happen. I don't care. But you wrote a lovely thank you to him in your book, yeah. in the acknowledgments. Yeah, gratitude shouldn't be conditional, I don't yeah. think. Um, and you talked about being inspired by him when you were younger and like yeah. when he first came out of the scene. He was like one of the only ones. I always knew about Lady Bunny because I'd seen her when I was a teenager. And I was like, wow, she's she's like a, just a, a motor mouth mess. I love her. And she always inspired me. And she put up my YouTube videos before anybody did. Um, and Jackie Beat was just horrible to me like a decade and a half ago when I first came here but like I still like loved her and just like she was amazing and her brain is so sharp and stuff and she doesn't need an earpiece to tell her what to say like some other drag queens right no she's got it you know and you have you done mismatch game with her with Jackie no yeah you've never done it on the panel together Uh -uh. because Jackie's been doing it B. Arthur. Oh, God. That yeah. Would be, I might have. I, I hope I can do it again. January, right? Maybe. Yeah. Well, and Jackie's available January. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because um, I know you both have done it a number of times. I thought you might have done it together. It's my favorite thing ever. I love that. And I love when you went to do it on um, the actual 
Drag Race, and you had already had like experience doing Jessica Simpson. Oh, I Some knew. of your classic bits were I up knew. there. I, and then, that was like a test ground. And then I, um, I saw certain people from Mismatch Game there who I also knew, and I was like, oh, I got this. Yeah. But it was one of those things where I knew Chad was going to win because it was an impersonator challenge. And like an impersonator won an impersonator challenge. Just like when there was a jail storyline, a girl with a record won. And then when there was a slut challenge, I won. Right. You know? And then Fifi won a travel magazine challenge because everybody wanted her to go the fuck away. <laughs> so it all made sense. Yeah. It's funny when you write about the show in the book, um, you talk about it like you call it a game show. It is. And I always think of it more of as a reality show, but it's funny that, that you use game show as the word. Well, game show is misleading because game shows are more regulated by the FDA. Well, yeah. Not the FDA. The FDC. No, there's rules. Yeah. Like yeah. about, there's hardcore rules. The whole quiz show thing from yeah. the 50s kind of tainted that. Um, yeah. This is a... Uh, a competition-based reality show. I think that's the best way to describe it and hit it on all its points because it is reality in the way that it's reality in quotes influenced. Um, rigged is a strong word, but whatever. Um, and it also is competition-based. But they do know, you know, they know what's going to go on. I know I was supposed to be top three in my season if I didn't pull all my shenanigans. Yeah. And uh, I was going to end up being the Fifi, which would have sucked, you know? Yeah. The head of Logo gave a note to... Um, one of the editors or one of the producers, I forget which, and said, make Willem's edit softer. He'll be a fan favorite. And they were right. Thanks, Pam Post. There you go. Yeah. Wow. So wait, they, they wanted, one of the editor, one of the executives saw something in you that they weren't really capitalizing. <laughs> one of the executives put something in me also. I mean, right. that helped. Um, but Literally I, put something in you? Yeah, it's in the book. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I've been skipping around. It's in the, are you right for a reality show quiz? It's, right. Su- there's lots of, there's lots of things suggested that I don't confirm 100% because I don't want to get sued. Right. I didn't, I haven't even looked up my NDA, but I just figured just to be safe and to be funny, let me put it as a quiz. Um, but there were definitely some things that, um, probably what the production company would rather I not say, but at this point they're true and it's not outside the NDA to say I fucked a producer when I fucked a producer. Right. Um, and a PA from the art department. Um, but after the show, during the show, during, during, during the production, how do you manage to do that? I'm me. I know that's true. <laughs> yeah. It was the last day of production and we were all at a club celebrating and, um, we all, <laughs> Michelle Visage was across from me while I was making out with him and he was finger banging me and she's like what are you doing I'm like job security and yeah. we didn't know where all the bodies were then we went in the bathroom literally the next day he was um, like what happened I was like you're gonna play that game um, right. but as we were getting thrown out his best friend who was the showrunner at the time was um, yelling at me I'm like we have birthday shots coming and it's August I'm not even an August baby I'm, I'm a, um, a June baby I'm a cancer and he's like you are a cancer and I was like, oh, you just read me. Wow. Uh, because I was making out with his best friend who was the untucked producer at the time. And making out is only what he saw. We got pulled out of the bathroom for fucking, and then he threw a glass at Raven, which was funny, on stage. And they were like, him, out. And I was like, yeah. We were f- so full, full as fucking ticks. What do you mean full? Drunk? Oh, yeah. I haven't heard full. I'm a little behind oh. on some of the lingo. Yeah, full is like, oh, she was full boots, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full. That's what I have in the dictionary. I know. The dictionary is very handy. Yeah, right? You're so honest in this book. Yeah, there's no reason not to be. Everyone's always saying, oh my god, I love you and your, your character. It's like, I'm not a character, I'm just a person. And right, just... you talk about sex, you talk about drugs. Mm-hmm. When you sat down to write it, you're like, I'm just going to... What was your sort of uh, strategy in your head about it? Like, I'm, I'm going to be as honest as possible and then dial back if there's legal issues or whatever. Like, when you sat down, what was your sort of goal with the book? Mm, 
my goal with the book was to present a fun, like, shitter read. Like yeah. a little plane or in the bathroom. Um, I wanted to model it off of Highlights, the children's magazine, but for, like, <laughs> right. really fucked up adults. And I wanted to teach people about stuff that they should be teaching in school, but they don't. There were a bunch of sections on, like, taxes and mortgages and boring stuff that I wanted to help people with, but it didn't make the cut. But the stuff about, like, foods that you can, like, eat and still get fucked on later without fucking up your douche or like how to shoplift or how to get out of a DUI or beat a lie detector or like stuff like that that's useful that you might remember one of these days and be like yes bitch Willem yeah you helped have you heard from anyone that's been helped by the book yeah this weekend somebody um said thank you for teaching me about how to clean my ass for bottoming because like yeah. he was a 19 year old kid and he you know he's read all this stuff online but he figured I was the definitive voice on that because boys bottom and all that um, and he's like, thank you. It worked. And I was like, no problem. Because he was just putting too much water up in his asshole and it was breaching the third wall of like his small intestine. And then it was just like shitty kitty, like mudslide all time. Yeah. So I was like, no, you need to use less amount of water, blah, blah, blah. And like it helped him. So I really feel like I'm doing good for the world. That's so good. Yeah. Now you talked, I asked you how the book came about and you talked about Neil Patrick Harris and mm-hmm. we kind of got off on a tangent. Yeah. Oh, sorry. But how did it get to the book? Um, well, I realized I had knowledge that people needed and someone on tumblr saw me answer a question that said are you writing a book and i said i'd love to and this person on who was watching worked for a publishing agency grand central grand central publishing which is a division of hachette which has like nick sparks and tina fey and all those like amazing authors that i love so uh she brought me in i pitched it and a room full of straight people just couldn't understand what i was saying and i was like that's why we have a dictionary and i just went on and i was just like I was Willem to them, and they didn't they n- didn't know who that was, and I made a bunch a room full of straight white people love me. You know? Did you go in drag? Yeah. What was your outfit? I wore um, a Moschino Couture business suit. Yep. With, Damn right. Um, a good little lube, Hermes glasses, and like a good Marc Jacobs bag, like a big one that said like "Daytime Business Bitch." I just picture you like Joan Crawford, and you're like you know what I mean mm-hmm. in the boardroom. Oh, there was a fire too. There was definitely a fire. <laughs> I love it. How long was the pitch meeting? Uh, less than an hour. Yeah. But then, Nailed it. Yeah, and then um, they said that the the main publisher lady came in, and usually she just comes in, does like a one two minute, excuses herself. She stayed the whole time. So they were Yeah, like, they don't get entertainment like that all the time. And no, yeah, they don't get drag queens running through their office. Stephen King doesn't show up in a fur. No. <laughs> I love it. Now, the book is really substantial, though. It's not like one of those things that Urban Outfitters that you pick up and you can read it in one dump. It's like, a, it's like, like you were, you like brought it with the pictures and everything else. Was one of your things like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Yeah, I knew um, this could be my only chance to have a book, so I wanted to get it perfect. Um, it's not, but I did my best. Um, the next book will be probably worse. So, <laughs> they have, have you had, do you have an idea for the next book? Uh-huh, we already know. It's called Shitterature. Shitterature? Yeah. I like it. Shitterature. So um, how long did it take you to work on this? Because it, 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 it's a lot of text, mm-hmm. uh, and then figuring out all the pictures and all of that stuff... It was due in November 2015, and there's a picture of me in the book from July of 2016. So, if that tells you how late I was... Well, everyone's late with their books. Yeah, they say that first-time authors, they always tell them a couple months. But I was really late. I was on drag queen time major. Yeah. um, Like, between touring all over the world and then realizing, like, oh, I need to write a book. Right. It was um, a lot of cocktail napkins in airports, me recording into my phone, and um, I didn't know about control... F, like control fine. So whenever right. I want to add something, I have to scroll through everything. Right. So so I, you learn though. 
Yeah. But it was totally. you on your laptop. Was there an intensive period where you're like, all right, I'm going to drop everything and just finish this fucking book now? The most intense period was when I spilled bong water on my laptop. That was horrible. And I'd run over to Calpurnians. I'd be like, can you save my hard drive? My book's on there. Did was, you lose anything? Um, I lost like two days worth of work. Okay, work. not bad. Yeah, it was... And Calpurnia Adams saved it? God, she's... she's Is a, she tech whiz? Oh, she don't play. She is a hacker. I love she's that. She's amazing. Yeah, she's lived many lives and she helps me with all of them. All of mine. <laughs> I love it. You have a lot of friends in the community. Yeah. It's a pretty tight-knit group. That's my door of all the girls that have worked here already that have signed. I love it. Alyssa spelled popped wrong on it. Bianca, Sherry, all, all the girls that come through here. Now, there's a picture in your book of you with your hand up a guy's ass. Mm-hmm. Where, and it looks like you're on stage. Yeah. What's the story there? So, I told Hecklina I would do her after party for Queens of Comedy in San Fran if she let me do a fisting number. And she said, sure. Yeah. I don't know if she thought I was actually doing a fisting number or just or a number about, <laughs> yeah. a number about it. And, um, so, it happened, and then she's like, oh my god, I can't believe that. I was like, well, I told you. Like, you know, I'm a stunt queen. It's what I do. Yeah. And I wanted to do it. It's, like, kind of like the NEA and Karen Finley with, like, bodies as art. And, like, I, w- I kind of think of it as, like, John Belushi mixed with a little bit of um, Maple Thorpe, you know? Right. And a little Gallagher in there, too. In, in your face. Yeah. And um, and who's I, the guy? The guy is Drew Peters. He's an amazing porn star. He's right on. Um, he's... Uh, you know, I, I just, I like pushing boundaries and I like doing what I want. And, um, what was the song? I'm not a girl, I had a woman. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be Did you change the words? No. You just saying I'm not a girl, not yet a woman and you're fisting him the whole time. Yeah. It's going to be on YouTube too, but I have, um, Brittany's video of her in the Grand Canyon floating yes. over the parts and then I'm having YouTubers react to it. I think every time I get in drag, I can make a video and like kill two birds, one stone. Like, Girls are always asking me why I don't do the, the Monday shows and the local shows here because my time is better spent doing YouTube videos where I could show the whole world my shit instead of just like a little Mickey's show or whatever. Yeah. So, How does your business work now? Where's the money? Touring? Um, everywhere. Tour. I mean, I kind of have my hand in a lot of pies, including Pie Hole. I'm an investor yeah. in Pie Hole, the restaurant. I love uh, that. Um, yeah. So anything I can think of to make money while I'm not here, I do. Like I rent this place out for pop-up shops, production, whatever. Right. Um, I tour a lot. Um, I just did, my book tour was 15 gigs in 13 cities in 17 days. And then I took wow. four days off and did DC and then Michigan. Um, so touring is good. YouTube is good. Um, I say yes to everything. I mean, if there's an opportunity, I, I say yes. And then I'm like, let me figure out how to do it later. Well, I know that from working with you back in the day. Like, if I had, like, the little Village Variety Pack show, you would fucking show up yeah. and bring your best stuff. It was, you, oh, and you, you drove to, I'm still touched that you drove to fucking Fresno to be a judge at the gong show thing that I did up there. Oh, Do you remember yeah. that? yeah. I drove so fast. You I drove so fast. You drove all night. Like, I had, um... I had a callback for burlesque. It was my third callback. Oh, yes. And by the time I got there three hours later, I knew that I didn't get it. And I still, like, had to, like, go and like, do the show. And I was like, all right, move on, move on. You have no time to be sad. And then I fucked a guy that night. That was really fun. Oh, did you wear? Fresno was good. Faces, I think the club was. Yeah, we went there. Yeah. I remember that club. I pulled some trade out of Faces. Did you take him home or did you do it right no, there? to the hotel. Oh, yeah. right on. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I don't fuck around at clubs. You can suck dick at a club, but you don't fuck at clubs. I learned that from the Drag Race producer. That's a good... You learn that the hard way. Yeah. I mean, the it was extra hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was ready and roaring to go. The good thing about that is, um, you know, it's half a half a decade ago at this point, so when I talk about it, it's more anecdotal. It's not like I'm 
bitter or rubbing it in or anything. It's just a part of my life that happened, you know? Yeah, the, you mean the Drag Race era. Yeah, and, like, watching Unreal now, for me, is just like, oh, wow, this is a little too close to home. Yeah, it's like a documentary. Yeah, you see, you see, I mean, that sh- Drag Race is such a great television show. As someone who's been on it and who knows the current contestants, it's, um... I wish sometimes that they would just base it on talent instead of their tricky editing and, like, shit like that. And they don't need all that. And they don't need to create tension. It would just show these girls being talented. But then again, that's America's Got Talent instead of Drag Race. But, you know, it's a sticky situation. I love drag queens being catty, but when they're your friends and sometimes, like, you're like, wait, I can tell she's on the other side of the room, yet you're having her react to this conversation. It's total, like, you know, fuckery. Fuckery editing. Were there times when you were being interviewed for it? You know, they do the, the mm-hmm. interviews where you felt like they were trying to lead you down a certain path? Or I wouldn't say pronouns specifically for that reason. And they they took a poor... Oh, so you wouldn't say, she was so full mm-hmm. of shit. You would say, Bianca yeah. was so full of shit. So that yeah. they wouldn't, they wouldn't mm-hmm. put that quote to somebody that you didn't yeah. say about. They can't they can't use anything that you don't say, so it's up to them where they put it. Um, so that's, that's smart. There's an episode in season three where Delta's having a conversation, Delta work with, I think Raja and her shirt changes three times yeah. in one scene. It's like they spliced the fuck out of it, but they made good TV, you know? Yeah. Franken at it or whatever. But they, they also made, um, Delta kind of like a, they gave her a hard edit, you know, because that's what they needed for their story. Um, but it's fine. It's a show. Everybody knew what was at risk when you sign up for it. I mean, no one thinks they're going to be villainized, but... Look at what they did to Fifi twice, you know? I told her it's in their best interest to take an already established character and run with it. This wasn't about her redemption. But literally, they took her lunch and said, this is your redemption. You got her to believe it. You know, it's selling a false bill of goods. What's it like to watch now when you're not on it but you know some of the people? Do you watch it? Well, this year, I didn't know what was going to happen because um, Alaska so clearly swept the competition. But she also, it seemed that there was a confidentiality breach. And everyone on the internet knew about it. And we knew about it. But I guess... um, you know, they didn't care enough to disqualify her for that. But um, I was going to be happy with whoever won. I didn't. Once again, it wasn't completely fair because they let... Uh, well, Viacom made Alyssa leave to go do Miley Cyrus's VMA performance after Logo said no, but Viacom, you know, pulled the badge there ahead yeah. of them. And I'm just like, it's either 100% fair or not fair at all. And a girl getting to leave to do a gig, not fair, you know. But she didn't win, so no one has to worry about that anyway. I, um... Ru- interviewed RuPaul. I'm sorry. I know, no, it was right when the show was starting, the very first time, and mm-hmm. I said, you know, people have probably been pitching shows like this forever, Jackie, you know, for years. Jackie had it registered with the Writers Guild. Yeah. Drag Race, the title. And I said, why is it happening now? And Ru thought, because it was the beginning of the, the Obama administration, that things were sort of opening up. Mm-hmm. In this new election and where we're headed, do you feel like there's a, a role that, that drag or what you do, do you need to be even more provocative? Have you even thought about it yet? It's kind of too soon to tell. But I thought it was interesting that RuPaul said, you know, during the Bush years, everyone was more uptight and afraid, and there was something about things opening up a little bit with Obama that that, that Ru thought helped make that show happen. Um, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not sure if Obama helped her drag show get on the air, but um, I do think that in any time that... Uh, we're faced with uh, any problems in our community. Drag queens are one of the loudest people to, right. to make a voice or a cause known. Or I was like, oh, do our video, you know, do our parade, do our this. And then when the time comes for the Out 100 list, none of us get put on it, you know, because we're not trans or we're not, like, cookie cutter. Like, for me, this year, not to be on that list was a little, like, 
it's it's just something that I see all my friends on all the time, and I'm like, I did a lot in the last year. I had number one comedy album. I had a book out. I've done tons of shit on YouTube. I've done tons for charity. I raised eleven thousand dollars for AIDS Ride without even getting on a bike by doing a song with Alaska called Ride for AIDS. I just really wanted to say, I'll ride for AIDS. It's the Taylor Swift parody. But um, at the same time, I'm like, drags overlook so much, and that's just an example. I feel like that's true. Like, I have a publicist that costs $4,000 a month, yeah. which is a fucking lot, and I can't even get on that goddamn list. I just want to go to the party and get the gift bag, really. Yeah. I always thought, when I was doing a lot more, and I would, I would talk to, like, Derek and Romaine, and we, there were, we were, none of us were ever on it, mm-hmm. and there was this thing, that was like, let's have a better party across the street, right. with, like, a bounce house, <laughs> and face painting. That would be great. Yeah. I, but I, I do think that drag in our community, for as much entertainment, and visibility, and messages, and help, that it doesn't get, it's it's still sort of like... Oh, that's for the bar at night. That's it's not a stepchild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. how do you how do you feel that when you're moving through the world? Do you ever feel that thing of like, oh, we'll have you at this thing, but not this thing? Or do you ever do you ever feel that discrimination in a day to day way? I don't feel it anymore because I I'm kind of not like um, I, I I put blinders on for that. I say yes to almost every job I'm offered, and I'm happy to be there. I'm never. I always say by the time I'm 40, I'm either going to be dead or super famous. And either is fine with me, you know, because I'm going to have fun getting there. Yeah. But um, these gigs where people are like, oh, you're you're not headlining. Or I saw a flyer for something and it said, drag queen, Willem. And I'm just like, why do you have to put drag queen? Just put my name. Everybody else's name is just there. Right. Like other people who are, it says, it doesn't say um, radio Singer. host Lance Bass. Yeah. You know, they just have his name. Like, I don't need the introduction. I'm enough being me. You know? Yeah. Did you ever consider having another name? Mm-hmm. Or do, you're always going to be Willem. Yeah. I, I mean, I had like little ideas when I was a teenager, but getting people to say Willem is hard enough. You know? Right, exactly. My last name's tough, too. I, everybody says Belly, and it's Belli, so I just figured Willem, easy. Yeah. And once I got on Instagram, I was like, fuck this, buy last name. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah. Which social media um, platform is the most effective for you? Or do they all work together? Um, I like Instagram because it's pictures and text, and it can be videos, too. I don't do Snapchat because it takes too much time, and then it disappears. Yeah, you need the archive up there. I don't need the archive. It's nice to have so people can see it. Um, I like Tumblr because it got me my book deal. I like Facebook because I can communicate back to people real easy with, like, a, a cut and paste and their name and a smiley face and, like, a reply if they need it, if they say they're a cutter or, or whatever, you know. Um, I like all... I like, I like being accessible to people. I'm not, I'm kind of the opposite of Alaska who has this mystery and, um, this backstory about how she landed from a planet far away. Like, I'm just, I'm enough being me, you know? I didn't have to create a character. I don't, sorry, it's not, Alaska didn't have to create a character. Alaska chose to, and it's great, and it's amazing. I didn't put that much thought into it, you know? She's a well-thought-out machine. Your thing is like, I'm just going to tell the truth and, I mean, and go with it. Drag Race kind of makes people think that I'm an evil genius, but really I'm a lucky fucking moron, you know? Well, it seemed like you had a plan. I did have a plan. I went in with a plan knowing I was going to fuck stuff up, and then I got there, and I saw I was the first person in the room, and I was like, oh, Rue believes in me. She, she sees I can run a room by myself for like, you know, five minutes, and that's confidence, you know? The first girl in the room is always like... The first one to come into the workroom. It's someone who can hold their own, on their own, alone, on camera. Right. And I did. And then... By the time the last person got into the room, I reverted back to my, okay, fuck this, I'm a fuck everybody up plan, because they already pulled some shit. They let one of the girls do her entrance twice, and I said, that's not fair. 
it's either fair or not. And they pulled me out. They're like, you can't do this. And it was Sharon, and she won. So, of course, they got her entrance twice. They knew she was going to be a contender. Um, so I decided to pull some shit. And I, I'm glad I did what I did, but I also know I needed to be in New York for a show two days after the time I left Drag Race for Danny Francesi's Jersey Shoresicle. So I was, I knew I had a finite amount of time. You had a hard out. Yeah. And then Danny was at one of the competitions. He's like, stay if you need to. You're doing good. The wet t-shirt won. Where I won. He's like, I get it if you can't make it. I'm like, no, I'll be there. I will be there. Derek Barry was my understudy. There was no way I was letting him take my job. Um, and then I, I finally broke the biggest rule on the day there was a duet challenge because I knew the whole episode would be ruined if they didn't have an even number of people. Right. So I told them, then they had to let me perform. I won because we were the best. And then we went home. And that was it. Yep. Two days later, I was in New York doing a show. Now, when you first came to L.A. and you, you were acting, you were auditioning for things, you did things like Nip Tuck, how does your life look like now compared to what your, your dreams were when you first came here? Um, when I was a kid, all I knew I wanted to be in Star Magazine at some point in my life. Right. And I still haven't. I've been a National Enquirer. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I was loud, um, bright, and sparkly. And that was like, you know, that's kind of my career now, being loud, bright, and sparkly. Right. Um, so... I had no idea. It was always fly by the seat of my pants, say yes to stuff, acting, singing, whatever. I've honed down now more so what I can do well and what I like to stick to. Everyone's like, oh, you should sing more. You have a great voice. I'm like, I don't want to, though. I like being, I'd rather be funny, you know? Teach a girl to be, give a girl a fish and she's fishy for a day. Teach a girl to be fishy and she's, you know, fishy for life or whatever. There you go. I don't know. I, the thing I always love about your comedy on the show and also when we, when we would do any events together or mismatch game or any things you do is there's you're not needy like you do your thing and the audience is either with you or they're not there's not that thing of like that thing where you're constantly monitoring oh are they liking it or whatever there's a fearlessness about it do you think that's fair to say yeah my main touchstone is um from that show i don't know is it doubt it's a play where she says brevity is the soul of wit and i know how to i think i know how to hit something and then quit it real quick like, Snatch Game was always about Chad and, like, his big costume changes and his shares and all that funny stuff and Sharon being loud as Michelle Visage. And I was just a quiet force, you know? I can say one word and it's funny. Right, and, it, you, do, and you let it go. Yeah. You, you're, not, you're not like, are you getting this, people? Are you getting this? You're like, you can sit, you can sit with that discomfort yeah. of, not, of not knowing where the audience is. Whenever somebody is like, what'd you say? And I was like, I'm not repeating myself. There'll be another one in a second. Don't worry. You know? Yeah. It's not, um, I think that people find, find me entertaining because they think I'm joking about a lot of stuff and really I'm just an asshole. I just <laughs> say exactly what I think. Right. So, I don't know. Either way, they're laughing, thank God. When you're touring all around the world, do you get recognized like in the airport and stuff? When I talk. When you talk? Yeah, when my voice hits, they, they're like, uh, uh, I thought I knew your voice. The, the TSA ladies always. Um, but yeah, I get clocked a lot. Where's the most outrageous place you've been? Because didn't you go to, like, the Middle East? And, mm -hmm. like, where are some of the places you've been? I performed in Dubai. I almost got arrested there. The cops came to the club. They made us change out of our drag. I kept my hair and my, my uh, makeup on. I took off my lipstick, though, on a, on a dancer. Right. That's a fun video that I still have. Um, what else? Iceland was fun. Oh, I want to go to Iceland. Beautiful. Is it cool? Yeah, it's so cool. I posed in one of those hot springs. Yeah. Well, it was outside a hot spring, so it wasn't as hot as the main hot springs, and I couldn't make a fist for like two hours. It was the worst. I had frostbite. Wow. Or um, whatever kind of thing where you can't make the fist. Nerve. I don't know. 
but it was terrible, cold, and gorgeous. The pictures in the book. I love it. The um, pictures in the book are amazing. Yeah. Like, how many different photographers did you end up using? I used um, probably four or five total. Um, mostly Robin Romer, who did Mamrie Hart's book, and yeah. um, and Grace Helbig. But uh, my cover, my cover and back cover were done by Matthew Anderson. And then there's a lot of, like, I love pictures. the back cover with Wash, Wash Me. me. Yeah. It's so clever. I asked Matthew to do it, and he's like, oh, do you have a reference image? I was like, no, it's just kind of my idea. He's like, oh, so it's original? I want to do this. That's so, so cool. It's great being able to work with Matthew, and, you know, he's he made Rue look so good for all those years. Yeah. Do you like being photographed? Do you like modeling? Mm-mm. Not into it? I just pretend I'm somebody else when I do it. Really? Like, you have a Sasha Fierce alter ego kind no, of thing? No, not a Sasha Fierce alter ego. I just have the three or four faces that I know look okay on camera when I look at them later down pat like Rihanna at the Met Ball um the Olsen face which is kind of a Gigi Gorgeous like a prune you say prune and it makes your lips perk out right um and then Christy Teigen slash Christy Brinkley you know just like Americana those are my three three faces I love that (laughs) he's like give us the Olsen boom 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 and you're done bang it out yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Where else have you? Where else have you um, done? Did you tour just in the United States with the book tour, or uh, I did the U.S. with the book tour that finished yesterday. I'm in Pomona this weekend for two gigs, and then I go to Europe for. It comes out on the November 24th in Europe and England. I do Sweden, Norway, all over the U.K., Ireland, Scotland, and then Australia. Because Drag Race year. airs everywhere, right? So when uh, you go to these... No. Oh, a lot okay. of it is on the internet and people doing IP addresses and all that router bullshit to get, you know, to be able to see it. They're to be able to see it. But they're fans of the show. Yeah. Like, it doesn't air, but they find it. They get it. They, they find get it. it. And yeah. then in the UK, I think it airs on a channel now. I know mine was the first season to air on TV there, and people already knew me from Beatdown, my YouTube show, which was... Right. It was weird going... I went to Australia before I was on Drag Race, and then the next time... It, they were airing my season. I went, and now I'm going back for the tenth time to Australia in less than five years, which is kind of cool. When people come to your book signings, what do they want to talk about? Is it all over the map, or do they want gossip? Do they want to know? Gossip's always good, and they usually always get it because I go off on tangents really easy. If yeah, I, especially if I don't take my ADD medicine. I'm I'm a crazy talkative hound. <laughs> um, but gossip behind the scenes i tell them like the alternate titles for the book which were um 50 shades of yes um <laughs> grief on my tits bitch the unauthorized autobiography of willem belli i have like so many alternate titles stuff that was cut from the book like something called uh should i learn from julia roberts movies um, oh that's fun yeah what's th- some of the things you learned from julia roberts movies um uh okay sleeping with the enemy uh straight in the towels bitch yeah uh Pretty Woman, uh, Cinder Fucking Rella's right around the corner, right near the corner that George Costanza will rape you at. Um, uh, Stu Magnolia's A Bad Haircut Can Kill, But There's Some Hard Candy in My Purse. Aaron Brockovich, Mom, the lady at the law firm's here. Bolt the door and have another cup of water. Um, just stupid stuff that kind of was funny, but like, there, I had a great edit. I had a great couple editors. Andrea James helped me. Nice. Um, and she's got a real discerning eye for what's funny and what's not. Um, did the publisher have any objections to the stuff you wanted to put in there or were they like, go for it? There was only one thing where, um, I wanted to put a sticker on the back that said inside, uh, pictorial of Willem eating out Caitlyn Jenner's old box, <laughs> which was me eating out of that box. Right. Which is a old Bruce Jenner box. Of right. Movies. A Wheaties box. And they said that that couldn't happen. Um, she had just, Caitlyn just signed her memoir with them three oh. weeks after I did. So, you know. 
there but they let go. me put all the dicks in there and everything else there's I want. There's dicks. There's, yeah. you know, you, um, you write really honestly about your sex life. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have more sex in drag or out of drag? Or is it about 50-50? Or just... def- definitely out of drag. I mean, yeah. um, if I'm on the road, I'll tell people straight up. I mean, guys come to the show hoping they'll get lucky if they're into drag queens or right. trans girls or whatever. Whatever they want to pretend I am for the second, you know, <laughs> before they get off. Um, because, I mean, I'm kind of vocal about liking to take my makeup off on men. It's the easiest way. It's exfoliating. It saves on Neutrogena costs. Right, um, yeah. meaning by by being with them, and it just by comes off eating their ass, or right? Getting their dick all in my face and snorkeling. That's the that, then it comes off. It saves on you know everything products, yeah. and it makes it so everyone wins. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about your husband. Mm-hmm. Now you guys are still together. Yeah, awesome. I, he comes to the mismatch game. He loves mismatch game. The only yeah. things he comes into with me and drag are mismatch game, and then um, he used to go to Trans K, our old Matt drag queen mashup band at House of Blues. He doesn't go to drag shows other than that. How has he um, dealt with you becoming famous and the, the, the explosion of your career and um, he's, the stuff that you do and the travel? He's proud of me because um, he sees that I've done it all on my own. I mean, the reason, one of the main reasons RuPaul got to where she was is she had a great team behind her, World of Wonder, and these, like, kids who decided to manage her. Like, you know, Fenton was this amazing Vogue photographer's uh, son, and they had advantages that other kids didn't and world of wonder was a very privileged uh place rue came from a different background they took her in they you know put her in white girl supermodel drag as she would call it and that's when it clicked with america supermodel you know yeah and that's the image that she's kept since it's kind of the thing like the thing that clicked with america was sharon was the goth thing and now she says she feels like you know strangled by it sometimes it's like but that's what they loved you for um so at this point, I'm trying to get together a team of people to help me. I don't even have a manager. Um, you're, you're running a one-man show. One-man tran band. Um, I do all my own production. I do everything. I have a lot of people that help me, but like, it's at a point now where I need more help. And he sees that, and he sees me frustrated by it, but hopefully that'll change soon. But he, he's uh, he's really proud of everything that I've done. Because I, he's he's a businessman, and he's had his failings and his successes, and he sees the stress that can come with it with um an idea not working when an idea doesn't work for me that means i don't work so um he he knows that there's a lot of pressure on me but like i have the best job in the world i have fun i get to go to parties as for a living and people are happy just when i show up and say uh, like i could queef and they'd love it you know right um it is it's exciting when Willem yeah. shows up and sometimes he he is stupefied by it he's like what wait, what, how do they know your name? I'm like, I don't know. They're an 11-year-old kid. They have bad right. parents, I guess, who let them watch YouTube unsupervised. Right. Uh-huh. Talk to me about YouTube, because you... I don't think you make a lot of money just from YouTube. I don't think a, a YouTuber in general. Maybe they do. But it seems like it's the way that you get everything else out there and everything comes from that. Or, or do you make really good money just on YouTube? You can make great money. YouTube is what I look at as how... Okay, Porn stars make their money a lot of times, girl porn stars, through feature dancing, which right. is they go to the clubs, the big clubs in each town, and they're the feature dancer for that night. Kind of like what I do where I tour around and do the drag, you know, shows and stuff in clubs and theaters. Um, the porn stars' videos that they do, they make some money on it, but they're basically their calling card, like saying like, hey, book me, look at what I do, blah, blah, blah. Right. I take three dicks at a time in a traffic cone, um, which <laughs> I... Probably, I've done close to that in my shows. Um, but 
the YouTube for me are my calling card. My music right. videos. That's why people. My music know you. videos don't make money, but they're my calling card. They get the music out there. They then people oh do this song live. We want to see you doing performing this. So I kind of look at it as just really good advertising. Yeah, that's my my way of uh, rationalizing all the time and money and wigs. And well, no, it's it's cost a fortune to sort of yeah. mount those productions and a, do it well. Yeah, I'm doing a Kickstarter again for season four of Beatdown, and I'm looking to do an X2 Beatdown and like you know. Get the studio up and running more. I have like my apple boxes and my lights and everything. And I love it. I feel like I'm a I'm a real person. I saw someone wander by last night and they just looked up and they saw the big glowing at sign. And they were like at. And I was like I, I saw someone say the name of my studio and I got a little proud. I was like yeah I did this. This is mine. Was that did you name it that yeah. or oh you named it at? I yeah, love it because there's always something going on like at the at you know yeah at the at so you call it the at mm-hmm. just look for the big at sign and that's that's yours. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, was there a place that you got booked where it was like, just not the right fit? You know what I mean? Where you're like, you, they didn't do their homework or, you know what I mean? Have you ever played a gig where you're like, oh, these are not my people? Um, sometimes when I do bingo in West Hollywood. I was just thinking about bingo and I was thinking about, that's how I knew you'd be good at mismatch game. Yeah. That's where you met me. Yeah. That was, um, bingo's uh, helped me a lot as a performer and like knowing when it's a dignity gig and when I need to like tighten up or if there's kids in the audience i can work non-blue right it's easy for me i just go deeper into clown mode instead of uh satirist mode or satirist whatever satirist i yeah. like that um so yeah i sometimes when there's kids in the audience and they're there there was a parent at one of my book signings that was literally like um uh when i was doing questions they said well, do you think it's okay how you um instruct um minors to find older guys to have sex with and do you think that's really okay and i was like a i don't think being passive aggressive is okay so if you just want to call me a bitch and irresponsible you should do that and the kid was there with his mom i didn't mean to read his mom and i was literally like i don't mean to yell at your mom but i think her tone with me is wrong and she bought you the book so if she's not behind it fine but like she doesn't need to come to my gig and nitpick like i First of all, when I was having sex underage, that's considered statutory rape. And um, even though I was emancipated at that point, but it's, when I was 13 and sucking off dads at a water park, like that's considered child molestation. Even though I was the aggressor, I was trying to suck as many dads as I could before closing. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's I my, love that it was at a water park. Oh, yeah. That makes me laugh. Where at the water park? In the men's room? Oh, in the locker room. Yeah. In, um, in Wet n Wild in Orlando, I would I was a fat kid, so I would pour mustard on my shirt, then have to scrub it out in the sink. But I'd be making eyes at all the fucking hot dads, and um, so that was the reason you went to the locker room because of the mustard. I loved it. Yeah, that was the excuse. That Ooh, was the excuse. Got to scrub out the stain. Yeah, and then I got fucking rubbed out. You know. Yeah. And lo- but technically, that was me being molested. <laughs> but um, I I'm glad. I loved it. How many would you do a day? Oh God, like. It sounds horrible, but like three or four sometimes. Yeah. I didn't care. It's dicks. And I was 13. And you like dicks. Yeah. And then when I was 16, I got emancipated and got my own place in a city. And then it was just AOL chat rooms. And I was like, oh. Um, you were a fat kid. Yeah. How does, I think some people say, you know, I was, I was a heavy kid too. Mm-hmm. Still am. But um, it sort of stays with you in a way. Like you, you never quite, you know, there's always, there's something that stays with you in a way about that sometimes. Yeah. Do you think that you have a fat kid in you still? Being an FFK for me, former fat kid has made me better as an adult because I know how to, you know, 
if you're a fat kid, you're invited to the popular kids' table because you have something to bring that's not based on looks alone. Either your personality, maybe your homework's good and they get to cheat, right. whatever it funny. is. funny. Yeah, something like that. Um, and I think I'm better in any situation now as an adult because I was a fat kid who wasn't handed stuff. Um, yeah, that makes sense. When did you lose the weight? When yeah. did you sort of... Between, like, 15 and 16, and then when I was... 20, I got lipo. When I was 21, I got lipo again. Because um, they don't tell you after lipo, you can gain weight again. Yeah. You just gain it in a different spot. So it just like, goes somewhere. Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden, my boots couldn't fit, and my calves were bigger, and I had a fucking lantern jaw, so I had to get my chin sucked out, too. Um, and then when I was like 27, 26 or 27, I discovered Richard Simmons, seriously, and started working out with him like three, four times a week. Here in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his studio is closing on Saturday, the 19th, and I'm going to his last class. I don't know um, if he'll be there because he's kind of shut the door to fame, which I understand at a certain point. You know, you've given so much of yourself for 40 years that when it's time to go, it's time to go, and he shut that door tight. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that um, I can't see my friend anymore, but maybe we were never friends. Maybe he was just like there in my life for what he needed to be, and... You know, he got my $10 a class, and he was happy. What's your favorite memory of Richard Simmons? My favorite memory of Richard is um, doing a video with him where I got a bunch of other drag queens to be in the video. He, like, he asked me for help, and I was like, sure, and I made it happen. Like, I've always been good at, like, making shit happen, like, when people need help with stuff. I'm a cancer. I like helping. Um... I ran a stri- I still help with a stripper agency that I founded years ago. Like, I get strippers for people, drag queens, hookers. Hookers is my favorite. Everyone's like, do you have any boys in town? And I was like, I know exactly why you're calling me, so just tell me what you want. Yeah, just could- spell it out, the specifics. Mm-hmm. I did it last night for a friend, and, like, he was like, thank you so much. And I'm like, I know him and his boyfriend, and they're both famous, so I'm like, well, whoever is the most famous has my allegiance. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you got him a hooker. Yeah. Did they call you later and say that was good choice? Well done. No, but they sure did text. Did me. they yelp? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a word. They texted of, you. I'm a word of mouth girl. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see what else I have in this, in this fabulous book. What's your favorite picture in the book? My favorite picture in the book. I kind of love the wash me on the back cover. The back cover's great. The it's one so clever. Me fisting the guy is great. The one yeah. with the square reader and the urethra. The Mary Poppers, where <laughs> I sing about uh, poppers. That's a great little Mary Poppins uh, update. Um, the Chris Jen- eating out Caitlyn Jenner's old box is great. <laughs> yes. um, I do like the the Chanel suit where I show ways to. W- I turned a two piece Chanel suit into a four piece Chanel suit with a really good tailor, and like I show people how you can update like thrift store class- classics and shit. Um, I love that. I'm 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 pretty proud of the whole book in general. It's it's the new standard for. Um, for when a kid wants to do drag or, you know. I think you really raised the game. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it, is, it is not, it's, it's really substantial. The next one I'm really excited yeah. for. There's so much stuff I want to do in it that I'm jazzed about. Yeah. Um, you did Jessica Simpson on Snatch Game and you mm-hmm. did it at Mask, Match Game. You used to do it on all of my little dog and yeah. pony shows. Have you ever heard from her? No. No? It, she's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Like, no, she hasn't. I mean, just in terms of like... A, I follow her on Instagram, and I know that she's recording again right now. Really? She's, she's going to make it... She's going to sing again? Yeah. That's I mean, good. Her voice was always amazing. I know. It just so happened that she segged into this entrepreneur, entrepreneur thing that really yeah. worked for her at the time, you know? Because she never caught on like Britney. She never caught on like Christina. Yeah. Um, she she was, would always sing, but at a certain point, it's like, she's a great singer, and, you know... What else? Um, so I'm glad that she found her little niche 
reality star wise and it you know it forced her to branch out and get these deals which i'm sure she's not stupid she's, no she's got all, she's got a shit ton she's of money got now. really smart people running her show including a faggot at the helm her her dad i'm pretty sure her dad's still in charge of her a little bit yeah i'm um, not conservatorship wise but like you know i was watching some movie the other day a center stage movie that i checked out from the library and the trailer at the beginning was a jessica simpson movie gij uh, yes private benjamin type it's a total private benjamin ripoff and i was like yeah. watching it like the Bush era comes flashing back. Like, you can't remember, like, she made a number of movies where she was, like, the star. Yeah. She was um, a cultural zeitgeist for a while. And, um, you know, God bless her. The, the fact that anybody can burn that shiny and that bright for any period of time is amazing. The fact that she's lasted, even in any um, inception or in any form, is amazing. You know? Yeah. Like, I... I've had two big chances at, like, you know, being a known thing. One was Nip Tuck, and then after that, I was like, oh, I'm going to work a ton. I didn't work for a year after that. I thought I'd be pilot season left and right, no auditions. It's crazy, right? A lot of people have that experience where they have this moment where they think, oh, okay. This is it. I've been anointed. Something's going to happen, and it doesn't. I was 23. It's brutal when that happens. Yeah, and then I did... I, there was another point where April Webster, who does like Star Trek and Star Wars and like Mission Impossible, all the big movies, she's a casting director. In one day, she cast me twice as a guy in non-gay parts. One was like a street hustler and another was a drunk guy in a club. And I was like, oh, wow, this could be my start as an actor, as a guy. Because at that point, trans was taking over and I was losing drag roles because, and trans roles because it, trans people were playing them, which was great. You know, it's a kneecap for me, but good for, you know, that community. Um, which I'd like to be a part of. I'm trans something. I'm a transvestite, technically. Right. Do you feel like, uh, in terms of uh, political correctness, or I don't know if that's the right word, are are you less likely to get a role now that there's been an enlightenment in that area? Um, Does that affect your chances? The end of that April Webster story is... Um, I went in to sign some papers, and there was a picture of me in drag on the computer. And they were like, oh, you do drag? And I never got called in again for a guy role at all. Because, like, once they see drag, you get pigeonholed. So, later on, I had a pilot season three three seasons ago where my manager said, at the end, he's like, I just want to let you know, three different casting people have called asking where you were in your transition. Because, you know, they thought I was trans or whatever. But I'm less likely to get a trans role now, which is good because I'm not trans. Um, in the same way that, you know, people aren't going to do yellow face roles for um, King and I, like Aaron Quill's always going on about. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't mind that at all. Um, but if I end up with titties, you can best believe I'm going to be on Transparent. I love that show. It's so good, right? Yeah, it's great. I auditioned for a guy role on it and I didn't get it. And I was like, I'm not watching this yeah. ever. And then I started watching it when I had back surgery and I was like, this is a good show. When did you have back surgery? Uh, July. How'd it go? Good. Good. Were you in pain before that? Yeah, a lot. Fucked up? I had, um, a, a completely... 75% of my disc wall was gone in L5, and Shit. I'd have to take a pill before I went on stage to be okay to lug my bags through the airport in three hours later. Because usually I get done a gig at like 2, 2.30, and then my first flight is usually around 6, because sometimes I take three flights to get somewhere. Like yeah. last week I went from Seattle to Syracuse, and it was Seattle to Detroit, Detroit to JFK, JFK to Syracuse, landed at 7.20, was in drag by 9.30 at the show. Holy shit. And then shit. the next morning I flew out at 5.40 to get home because I had to film something else. Fuck. Half the job is getting there and I can sleep on planes though. Like the girls that miss flights or shows because of, it's like, it's your own fault. You're dumb. 
it's drinking. Drinking is takes a lot out of someone and can fuck up your career. And I don't. You write a lot about chemical substances in, in the book. You do a chapter on it. How do you manage that now? Is it like you kind of had some wild days and now you're like, oh no, I got to be up for that flight? Or how do you manage it? I've always been really good about it. I had my first drink at six and the rationale from my grandma who owned the bar and who gave it to me was if it has fruit in it, he can try it. By nine, I knew I hated uh, vodka. And by 10, I knew why Malibu Barbie was always so happy because fucking Malibu rum. Yeah. You know, it's good. Um, I was always really good at handling my party. I was always a lightweight. Um, I didn't do any hard drugs other than weed until I was on my own volition until I was in my, uh, thirties. And, um, in my, in my late twenties, people that I was working with regularly, I found out were putting Molly and ecstasy in my drinks. Holy shit. Looking back, do you realize, oh, that's why I felt this way or that way? One time I got a wake up call to do, um, to, uh, go to the airport. I was, none of my shit was packed. I was dancing around with a shoe in my hand and I was like, wake up call. I was like, the car's here. Like, oh my God, still in drag. I get in the car and they're like, you okay, girl? And I was like, yeah, like someone must have fucking dosed me or something because I don't feel right. And for that, and for them not to admit it then, what happened was hard for me and for my friend to realize my friends did that to me because later one of them admitted it and she said it as a joke. And my other friend who was there verified it. She's like, yeah, we all knew all those girls. I was like, wow. And you let it happen. Yeah. And you know, they were like, nothing would have happened to you. You were with us. You were fine. I was like, that is totally out of bounds of being cool. And, um, but now I do, uh, Molly on my own and it's fun. Makes you shit some, the good Molly makes you shit sometimes, but sometimes you got to throw up to blow up. So that, so, so that could be the title of this podcast. What's the most fucked up you've ever been on stage? Most, oh, I've, oh, no, I don't, I don't get fucked up before I go on stage. It's after, it's the after. Yeah. Because if I ever, if something ever goes wrong, I don't want people to say, oh, he was fucked up, you know, because. It's your reputation. Your last show, you're only as good as your last show sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's funny when you talk about the airplanes, uh, Joan Rivers, when I worked on Fashion Police, she flew back and forth and she was flying all the time, but I think liked that time on the plane. Yeah. And do you, do you like it? Half of this book was written on the plane. Yeah. At least, um, it was something to do. And I like it when you're up there because no one can, you know, I mean, now with, with there's Wi-Fi and stuff, but for a while there, you were like, you know, no, nothing, you, you could be out of contact or whatever. You didn't have to be tied into everything. Oh, I mean, I still tell people, I'm on a plane, I can't right now when I am, when I full on have Wi-Fi. Because yeah. That's my just chance. like that time. It's my chance to do other work. Like, I have a table at standing height as my desk, kind of, because I don't get to sit down a lot. Yeah. And when I am sitting, it's in a car and I'm usually like record, I'm re- recording new music ideas I have or something into my phone and I don't have the radio on a lot in my car. Yeah. So what would your dream gig be? I want to host a game show. Yeah, that'd be fun. I want to host a gay game show. Um, and I want it to be inclusive. That gay for pay show that was on logo didn't have any lesbians and lesbians are a big part of my life. Um, I had two gay aunts that were like huge for me. They bought me my first pair of heels. Um, I'd love a gay game show. I'd love what Chris Hardwick has done with Nerdist. Yeah. I'd love to be a GLBT Nerdist type of thing. Um, I'm doing a whole at, little empire. Yeah, I'm doing At Midnight on Wednesday, and I'm really excited. That's huge. Yeah. That's a big thing. How I did that I'm, happen? I'm, I've known Chris since Rock of Ages. He was the Tom Cruise character in the Rock of Ages production in L.A. and Vegas. And we've been friends since then, and um, I've gone to a bunch of his shows, and then... I've been, like, tweeting and be like, oh, my God, that was funny. He's like, why didn't you tell me you were here? But I always feel weird being, like, that person, like, trying to get backstage or, like, trying to take a selfie. Like, when you're friends with these people, you don't want to, like, 
you don't want to make them ever feel like they're social media tools. Like, I have yeah. friends who are always like, can we get a picture? And I'm like, of course, you can. You're my friend. Like, you don't have to ask. You just tell me to pose for one, and I will. Like, if you were ever at Match Game, for I would never expect anyone to say, like, can we get a picture? I'd expect you to say, well, then go stand there, you know? Because we've known each other, like, a decade and a half. So, like, it's when... I, I don't want to make my famous friends feel weird. Like, I don't want to say, Neil, can you tweet my book? Like, but, he already wrote the forward. Like, I don't want to make him, like, work harder. And I missed the New York Times by less than 50 copies, so I probably should have made him get it. Oh, uh, like, when it first came out, you would have been... The first week, I missed by less than 50 copies. Oh, fuck. I should have bought it myself. But, you know, in my head, I was like, should have cheated. It worked on Drag Race. Yeah. I, I wanted to do something honest, and I feel like it did this time with the book. Um, but I think... Um, well, I went to Adam Lambert's concert with Alaska, and the person we were most excited to meet was Lisa Renna, and Lisa Renna's lips. Yeah, um, they're, like, they're two separate entities. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Yeah. One comes into a room before the other. But, like, I, I would never want to make Adam feel like every time is selfie time, you know? Like, he's my friend, you know? Right. Stuff like that. Um, I forget the question. That's all right. <laughs> when you sign the book, is there something you write a lot, or do you cater it to the different person, or...? Um, if they're an older person, sometimes they write, um, avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Because um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines from uh, A League of Their Own. I usually try to draw a little doodle, like with a penis dotting the eye of someone if they have an eye in their name. Right. Um, yeah, I, I write whatever, whatever comes. Whatever comes to mind. People are literally like, is that all you're going to write? And I'm like, do you want a fucking haiku in my own blood? Like, yeah. Some people really are extra. Well, probably you have a big line of people waiting. You've got to move it. Barnes & Noble in New York, I was standing room only, which was fun. There were over 250 people. and That's huge. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I don't know, like, maybe maybe what I do is working. Maybe people like it. I mean, it's crazy to think that when I was, you know, a kid, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And now, like, I've made kind of a life out of still not knowing what I want to do, but just doing what's fun. And that's kind of rad. Like, the best job ever. The girls that complain, they're like, oh, I have to get in drag tonight. It's like, I always correct them. I'm like, you don't have to get in drag. You get to get in drag. You're very lucky. You're a fucking clown. You don't punch a time card. You probably get free drinks where you work. Uh, there's people to suck off. You get to dance around to fun Rihanna songs. As long as the DJ plays some Rihanna, which I hope the DJ plays some Rihanna everywhere I go. Um, that's your jam? I love Rihanna. Yeah. She's great. If Rihanna's on, I'm dancing. Rihanna, Robin, um... Uh, they don't play too much Jasmine Sullivan, but like Jay Hud's good for dancing. Right, some Katy Perry. I love pop. Who's been your most surprising fan? Somebody that you wouldn't think would, you know, Katy Perry. That's amazing. Katy Perry at a set that I was doing, we were singing "Chow Down." She yelled out, "Just do boys at the bottom," and I was like, "It's like no, we're singing about chicken right now." And then she said it again, and I was like, I saw it in the audience who it was, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's Katy." And we were just, like, literally Twitter-pated. And then as she was leaving... I didn't want to ask her for a selfie. I felt stupid. So as she was leaving, she looked down at my shoes. She's like, I have them, too, in pink. And I'm like, well, they're not yellow. Mine are yellow. Sorry. And, like, she laughed. And it was just like, wow. I'm sorry I spit on you. I was like, Katy Perry knows who I am. And then I did a parody of one of her songs. And uh, David Burka sent it to her. And she didn't reply. So I don't think she liked that. Because it was about Only Anally, it was called. I loved Only Anally. Yeah, for Jizz and Jeff. I'm, yeah. I'm about to do another thing with uh, Jizz, and I'm very excited. Who's Jizz? Jeff McCubbin, who does the the uh, the Golden the golden um, Shower Girls on oh. YouTube. Oh, right on. Jizz and the Mammograms, the thing that... Jizz and Only Anally is a song that's from a YouTube series called Jizz and the Mammograms. Okay. Which um, is like a 
you know, an overdub version of the cartoon of Jem. Right. And he got me to play Stryker, one of the characters that Jem had, a, like, a dalliance with, or Deliance, I forget. All right, I love it. Where, where did Katy Perry see you? Where were you? I was at um, a birthday party that uh, I was performing at. Oh, fun. Yeah. Nice. Up in the hills. You know, Hollywood's fun for opportunities. Like, I got to, um, Trixie, Mattel just moved here, and so did Katya, and I've been, like, taking them around L.A. and teaching them stuff and showing them things, and... I love Katya. They're both so great, and... Yeah. I, I asked Trixie to come help with something. She's like, what is it? I was like, I'm painting Tom Daly green. And she's like, huh, Tom Daly? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, how? And I'm like, he's my friend. I don't know. Like, it's just stuff I know. You're like, what did you paint Tom Daly green for? Tom Daly's the diver, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, his, his fiance and my husband are best friends. And um, I... Dustin... Yeah, Lance. Lance um, I was doing... Tom wanted to do drag of some sort, but then he chickened out sort of. Sort of so I was like, how about... What are some things you could do for Halloween? And we started talking, and I knew that, um, I think he calls Lance his frog, or he's called a frog or something. And so I made him into a frog with Trixie's help, and Trixie was just like, this is cool. Like, I wouldn't have this opportunity in Milwaukee, where she was from. And, like, right. she's had so many other opportunities and that are popping up because of her move, and I'm so happy for her seeing her blossom here. It's great. And plus, she doesn't have to be cold. Yeah, exactly. Um, she just did, when is this out? Oh, this will come out pretty soon. Okay, well, she just did one of the biggest shows on television. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. You'll see when she's on it, when you listen to this in the archive. Right. Um, but it's like, that kind of thing couldn't happen unless she was here. And like, I love, I love my job now is to pay it forward and to pull other people up. Because once somebody gets through, you pull down your friends and you pull up your friends, like, to help. Like, the Rhodes Bros, who were on Ellen and Scream Queens, that only happened because... I gave him a place to live for four months, you know? Wow. Because they went to YouTube school through Davey Wavy, and then he's like, okay, all done. And he gave them, like, a day to pack up. And they were like, can we stay with you? I was like, yeah, a week, whatever, four months later. But that period in Hollywood of that time allowed them to further their development and their growth. And then eventually, they were on fucking Ellen. Like, that wouldn't have happened if they hadn't had a place to stay. And I feel like I helped someone. And that, I, you That felt good. Yeah, I love, I, I love paying it forward like that and um it's so staggering to me that to people that are competitive in a way that excludes people in their field that could be peers and you know it's so much more fun success with your friends you know i did dwv because i wrote boys bottom on my own completely and i had to convince them to do it and it's so much fun to share that success with your friends you know they weren't into it Initially? Mm, no. They, they didn't think they, the idea was that good, or they thought it was... It was. It involved work. It right. It involved doing, getting up during the day and not just doing a drag show at night and going to record. So uh, it was a struggle to get them there, but we did, and we were great. Is but, that your most successful video song? It's got over 22 million views, yeah. That's incredible. It's, it's weird that... Um, it's not weird. I know why a lot of people at World... Not a lot. A couple important people at World of Wonder don't feature me, because I've been very vocal about drag race and critical to a fault. I at, Sometimes I look back and I was like, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't need to. But in my head, I'm sticking up. For, like, Gay for Pay was produced by them. And why wasn't there a fucking lesbian on it? Yeah. You know, I feel the need to say that, even though I'm a rue girl. Like, there's nothing wrong in starting a conversation, even if it's through criticizing someone, because that's going to, you know, advance things. There should have been a lesbian on it. And, like, all those girls on my wall, like Bianca and Alyssa and all them, who work so closely with them, you know, they like me also. So... Maybe I'm not a horrible person, but, you know, they just 
they just can't feature someone who's as loud as me who goes against their top ranking girl. Which but I, I feel like you're they you can't they can't control you. They can't, and, and every, I think that's every. Other, I'm sure there's a lot of people that love you and think you're great and da da da, but they can't. Every other girl they have under their thumb, and you know. Rue gets to walk all over other people. She can say your name wrong at a finale, and then they'll just retape it. She said Layla McQueen's name wrong three times and didn't even be like, hey, sorry, girl, for embarrassing you in front of all these people. You know, it's, I've ha- I have problems with the way um, Rue treats people, and I'm fine with saying that. Um, kindness is free, you know, and to, to be told don't look at someone and don't make contact with them unless you're... Um, it's initiated by that person is bullshit because lowest common denominator she's a fucking drag queen lowest common denominator I'm a drag queen don't treat me like shit bitch don't do it and so they were literally saying don't make eye contact like J-Lo or something like that mm-hmm. when you were doing the show yes wow you're not an, allowed to initiate contact you know wow that's interesting Isn't, it's not interesting well it's, yeah, it's, it's terrible yeah who the fuck do you think you are I, I realize you want a level of autonomy and stuff, but you're a drag queen. Don't forget it, Mary. You know? Right. So, and I will never let her forget it. She's a drag queen. She's no better than me, no worse. There you go. Yeah. And you like doing your makeup and getting ready. I love it. It's like... Does it take a long time? I get to create a fucking disco ball on my face whenever I want. No, I can do it. Depending on the gig, depending if I have bangs, depending on if I plan to have sex later, 35 minutes sometimes. Yeah. If I'm really trying to look good, hour and a half. Now, when you talked about your back injury... Do you think it's? Do you think it was caused by everything you do in heels and no. all of that stuff, or was it just no, totally it was, separate? It was caused by a car accident. Oh someone, shit! A brick. Someone rear-ended me while they were texting, going forty miles per hour. Oh fuck! And then that was in how the, long ago was this? May twenty seventh, two thousand fifteen. It was in the morning because I was running around doing things because I was leaving for Australia that night. By wow. the time I got off the plane in Australia the next day. After an overnight flight, I almost needed a wheelchair. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was so scared. And then over the course of the year they told me to try physical therapy and a bunch of stuff I had a really bad herniated disc and a disc wall blown out and I did all that stuff and then I went in after a year I was like I would I would cry because I realized this is going to be my life you're going to have to live with this back injury because they weren't going to do surgery and then I went to um, I got some more opinions and they're like it's been a year we can look at surgery as an option and then going online and googling microdisectomy which is the surgery I had it's scary because you realize it could turn out worse. And my Ugh. doctor said, he, he broke it down for me. He said, 80% of my patients wake up off the table and they know they're perfect. 10% it's the same. 5% it's worse. Or some, the math added up to a right. I don't know. But I'm lucky enough that when he got in there, he's like, this, they couldn't tell the, the wall was ruptured. They knew it was herniated. But when they got in there, when I woke up, they're like, it took longer. There was a lot more wrong. Um, but I could already tell I was fixed, which was nice, or cl- as close to fixed as possible. Like, it'll like, I have no disc there now, really. And in a few years, when stem cells are are allowed, I'll be able to get them in there to regenerate disc growth. But like, I just have to do my PT. You saw me on the floor. Yeah, you were on the like, floor doing some stuff. Yeah, I have to. You, you know, I'm doing the best that I can with my body that God gave me, and thank God I'm able to do what I can. I'm yeah. so fucking grateful that my back got fixed. And um, but it was scary for a yes. while because this was this is my job and. Where I have so many good shoes. Exactly. I fucking wear them. I know. I always wonder about Lady Gaga, if she's going to have back problems at some point from all the stuff she's worn and the shoes and the, 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 you know, like her chiropractor. The weird thing was my back hurt less when I was in heels because the way it curved my spine, it made me stand up straight. Yeah. Um, But Dr. Pazmina changed my life. And then he just did my husband's back surgery. My husband had a herniated, not herniated, a fractured vertebrae from years of basketball and a bad car accident. So... 
Good for him. Good, yeah. d- good doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, go buy Willem's book. It's available everywhere fine books are sold, right? It was number one on Amazon in the self-help department for over a week. That's amazing. I self-help. Know. A fucking drag queen who stopped school at 16 has a number one self-help book. That's in, awesome. In what world? In Que Mundo. I love it. I love it. Um, go buy it. It's called Suck Less. Where there's a Willem, there's a way. And buy Misadventures in the 213 by Dennis Hensley. That's right. It's still out there. I still have it probably. It's Do you? Some storage. I love it. I'm still trying to make that a TV show, if you can believe it. I feel like it's time, 20 years later. Anytime you have a TV show, please let me be on it. I would... Are you kidding? I want to work with you in a fun way. Come on, game show. In some fun way. Game Game show. show. You know, I worked on that gay for play. I was writing questions for it. You did? Yeah. Um, And it was fun to write questions for it. And, um... But they, they shot, like... I I don't know. They, they... There's, like, six that they haven't aired. And I don't know if they're ever going to air them. Maybe. I don't think it did well. Is there a lesbian in it? I don't... I can't... I there wasn't. Remember. I already know there wasn't. I talked to some I, other people. I don't think there was. I couldn't remember all the people that came on. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I, I just feel a need in the community to, to represent everybody. Right. I do these PSAs for uh, the city of WeHo. I'm like, get a bear, get a dyke, get a man, get a girl. Like, I, I like showing everybody because some gay kids in GLBTQIRSTLNE, all they have is the internet, and that's the only place they can see us. Yeah. I have people who are now 18 that have been watching me since they were 13, and their parents will come to a show with them and thank me. And I'm like, really? I'm not a role model. But they're like, you were to them. You 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 showed them something where they didn't know it could happen, you know? They didn't... It, it's, it feels great to do what RuPaul did for me, you know? Yeah. Ru was, Ru was my North Star, and she was like... I didn't know what I could do. I didn't... Rue did everything, too. She was radio. She was, you know, model. She was actress. She was singer. And I kind of feel like I'm hitting all those notes, too, but in my own way and without um, without anybody over me telling me what I have to do, you know? Yeah, which, you're doing it your way. Which, if I was still, you know, in cahoots with WOW, I might have to dial it back and be less vocal about certain things, but I'm glad I get to be that voice for a lot of people who say, hey... What the fuck? Yeah. And not have to worry about anyone saying, now Willem, you know. Is there a lesson people can take from your journey? Um, say yes. I mean, say yes to a lot of things. Use condoms and say yes. There you go. And I'm on prep now too, but like. How's it been for you? Prep? Good. Yeah. The first week I took it, I thought I had like a little stomach like problems, but then I went off it like two months later when this guy was like, I don't want to fuck you anymore. And I was like, I only got on it because of you. Right. Um, and then, uh, I started it again and I was like that first week again, I thought I was a little constipated. So the side effects might be, I know it's listed as an effect like stomach problems, but like then I might've had it, but they went away totally. And like, it's nice now knowing like my theory is if the condom don't break, he's not fucking you hard enough. Right. So it's nice to know that when condoms break now, which happens a lot to me, um, you, I'm not running to the STD clinic and praying for a morning after pill, you know? Right. It's nice to have that double blind to know that um, I'm doing as much... As, I'm more, a seatbelt and an airbag, you know? Yeah. But the the shit thing is, like, I'm so vocal about prep and stuff, but, like, the big pharma companies won't touch me because I'm a fucking pig. And they're right. like, oh, he's not appropriate for advertising materials, yet they pay David Wavy, like, 60 grand a video. It's like, bullshit. Yeah. No, I use it way more. Wow. All right. Well, it's always fun to see you. I'm always so proud of what you've created you. and you're a hustler and you're so talented and you're so you too. audacious and um, I'm glad you're my friend. So, um, buy Willem's book and, uh, that's all. I keep an eye out for everything else Willem's got going on. Take your vitamins. I'm taking a woman's once a day right now. <laughs> I love it. A woman's once a day. Yeah, it's a gummy. All right. Well, 
Bye. Bye. All right, how awesome was Willem? I'm so inspired by everything he's done in his career and how hard he works it and the quality of what he does, the outrageousness, his humor. I'm a fan. I always have been. And it's awesome to see him doing so well. Pick up his book, Suck Less, where there's a Willem, there's a way. You will enjoy it. Um, I also want to remind you again that if you want to hear more from Willem, I have a 35, 40-minute podcast of all Willem just answering questions from the observation deck. And you can get that at patreon.com for as low as a dollar. Or you can uh, pay a little bit more, and there are some rewards there, like um, a free audiobook of my book, Screening Party, and a DVD of my short films, things like that. So check that out at patreon.com and just search for Dennis Anyone. I'll also put the link on the dennisanyone.net website and the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. All right. So this happened. Um, I've been traveling with my friend Danny. We went to Idlewild uh, and then to Palm Springs, which is where I'm recording this. And um, it's been really cool. We've had a really good time. Idlewild is cute and charming. We saw the Fantastic Beast movie there. Uh, it was the only theater in town. Um, and that was kind of fun. And uh, But also on this trip, I learned that Florence Henderson died. And it was kind of... A sad moment because Florence Henderson was the very first celebrity I ever interviewed. Uh, I had gotten a bit of a break at Movie Line magazine. I sent in a story that I wrote about my audition for Madonna, and the editor there liked it and ran it. And then he decided to try to give me some assignments for the magazine. And the first one was Florence Henderson. It was a uh, one-page interview. And it was tied to Shakes the Clown, which is a movie with Bobcat Goldthwait, a really irreverent comedy. And Florence played the unknown woman, I think was her character. And I think that it was a sexy role. I have to go back and look at it. Uh, I don't have the interview in front of me, but I think it was like a really playing against type as Mrs. Brady um, kind of role. And um, I am always going to be grateful for her because to her because she was so outrageous and body and gracious and sassy in the interview. I don't know how I did my first time out, but she gave me really great quotes, provocative stuff, maybe about farting. I know about sex. I know she was talking, playing up the sexiness of the role, and she was just she allowed me to turn in a really fun, provocative story right out of the gate, and I was able to get more assignments after that. So I'll always be grateful to Florence Henderson. May she rest in peace. She was super sassy. And she was like America's mom, and she was also kind of uh, body and nasty and liked a good fart joke or a sex joke. I don't know. All that stuff. So rest in peace, Florence. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. <laughs>